Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Barry Trammell in Ames, Iowa, where on Saturday night, Oklahoma fell 37-30 to to the Cyclones, to Iowa State. And uh, Barry, we saw a lot of things on Saturday night that we hadn't seen out of the Sooners in a long, long time. Yeah, you know, just a bunch of uh, bunch of uh, historic, dubious history made by the Sooners. Well, you hadn't what hadn't lost consecutive regular season games since Bob Stoops' first season. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Hadn't lost in Ames since nineteen sixty, November nineteen sixty. The uh, Dwight Eisenhower was president. The Nixon Kennedy election was a few days away. Uh, I was not born. I'm an old man, so that's how long it's been. 60 years since they lost in Ames, and uh, it happened today. They've only lost. This is only the seventh loss in history in the series for Oklahoma. So two have come in the last, uh, in the last uh, what, four games against the Cyclones and almost happened last year. So sort of a new era in this series, I would say. Yeah, and clearly Matt Campbell has the Cyclones uh, going in the right direction, and he's the, the, the Iowa State's covered every year uh, versus the Sooners in the Matt Campbell era. But we're not here to talk about Iowa State's resurgence. We're here to talk about uh, Oklahoma's uh, game and, and season. And, and Barry, we saw a lot of things last night or uh, on on Saturday that. Uh, we had seen uh, this year through the first couple games. We saw the offensive line really struggle to protect. Uh, we saw the Sooners uh, consequently not be able to run the ball uh, very effectively, although I thought T.J. Pleasure and, and Seth McGowan, when they were in open space, showed what kind of players they could be. Uh, we saw uh, a, a turnover that uh, certainly, well, ended the Sooners' cause. We saw, and then on defense, what we hadn't seen to this point much was, was missed tackling. They had done uh, a lot of not great things against Kansas State, um, left guys wide open and, and uh, busted coverages, things like that. But we hadn't seen a lot of missed tackling. But last night on, on defense, we saw missed tackling rear its head a ton, and uh, the Sooners once again weren't effective on that side of the ball. Yeah, and a couple of things on that. One, and both are – the things that strike strike me are both explainable. Most of the missed tackles were on tailback Brees Hall. Now, he's really good. He's he's slippery. If you, if you watch him from, say, the press box, you think uh, Deuce Vaughn of Kansas State and how slippery he is and quick and all those things. But he's actually way bigger than that. He's 6'1", 215, so he's a big tailback. Um, and, but he's very elusive. So um, he's really good. Still, you can't whiff the way they whiffed on him a bunch. A couple of the missed tackles were on, uh, were on uh, receivers. Charlie Kolar, you know, sort of spun away from Brendan Radley-Hiles. Um, you know, it's one thing if – it's one thing if, uh, you know, somebody like Chuck Kolar, 6'6", 250, if he sort of bulls over the little safeties, that's one thing. But for him to sort of juke them and spin away from them, that's not really acceptable. And we saw, who was it? I can't remember if it was Norwood or somebody missed a, uh, a, a one-on-one tackle over there on, on, on the flank. 
turned into a 42-yard. Was that is that the one that was closest to our side? Yes, yeah. Uh, that was uh, Buki, Brennan, Radley, Hiles. Oh, that's, that's Radley, Hiles again. So, so too many, too many uh, missed tackles on guys. You at least ought to get your hands on and get them down. Uh, if you miss on the tailback, okay, that guy might play in the NFL, but can't miss elsewhere. Yeah, and they did uh, some pretty significant misses elsewhere. One thing, one positive thing I saw last night is uh, Oklahoma did get pressure on Brock Purdy, just couldn't uh, bring him down there really until Isaiah Thomas uh, got the uh, – well, uh, Nick Benito got to him, uh, although uh, uh, Iowa State was able to, to recover that fumble, and I believe uh, OU got a penalty on that play, one of their uh, uh, tons of penalties that they had last night, which was another issue – uh, for the defense, but Isaiah Thomas forced a turnover. Uh, OU's defensive front seemed to be uh, effective at times, but the uh, just couldn't do enough. Yeah, I was impressed with the pass rush, and I, even when they didn't get him down or hurry him on a throw, I thought I thought OU getting Purdy on the run. He was not great. He, he was not great on the run. He only completed twelve of twenty four. That's losing football in the 21st century. Um, what, what got OU and in the, in the, OU's defense in the passing game was the, the, a couple of the big plays they allowed. But the pass rush was not to blame for that. The pass rush was very good. I thought the blitzes were well-timed and well-executed. Um, so that was a very good sign. Um, and then they came up with, from the OU side, the biggest play of the game was Isaiah Thomas's strip sack. Um, well, you know, this, this, uh, you know, when OU defense gets a turnover, it's like, you know, it's a state holiday. It, it happens so rarely. So that got everybody energized. Everybody got fired up. It produced a touchdown. OU had a lead. Midway through the fourth quarter, you, th- you think, man, as soon as might win this game and the defense going to help them. Um, but then it just didn't happen. Yeah. Then the, the uh, kick return just seemed to suck all the energy out of Oklahoma and Iowa State scored a couple plays later and then uh, shortly after the Cyclones were ahead for good. Um, Barry, the secondary, has been an issue all year. Uh, was uh, uh, I don't know if I'd say an issue last year. I mean, heck, uh, uh, Parnell Motley was probably their best uh, defensive player uh, a lot of last year, but the secondary's really struggled, and, and Brennan Radley-Hiles and Pat Field specifically just had uh, brutal nights last night. Well, last year and this year both, it's been fascinating. The Sooners are not good enough at safety. The corners are not – I mean, corners get lit up on occasion. But by modern standards, the OU cornerbacks last year and this year, even without Parnell Motley – they don't really get lit up all that much. Uh, they give up an occasional big play, but it's nothing bad. It's those safeties that can't seem to, to carry the freight. And it was that way last year, and it's this way this year. And, you know, maybe uh, do we need to rethink the, uh, the value of corners and safeties? For this reason, I always sort of presumed good cornerbacks are harder to find than good safeties. But it seems the opposite for Oklahoma. Maybe we've reached football where where safety play is more important than cornerback play, and 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 sort of more of the more of what you have to have. And 
centers aren't getting it out of out of uh, the safeties and and the nickelback position, which is what which what Brendan Radley Hiles plays. Yeah, it certainly appeared that way last night, which is why I was surprised that when OU did make changes in the secondary, it was at cornerback when they put in. Trey Norwood, who's played plenty of corner, heck, started at corner there for them a couple years ago uh, for, for most of the season before moving late in the year uh, and, and missing last year. And then they put in Woody Washington at corner. Woody Washington is a safety. So uh, uh, it was a little bit head-scratching there when you see the safeties be the ones who struggle so much. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be some good discussion for – Alex Grinch about what's going on. Um, you know, and Pat Fields told you a pretty interesting quote, basically saying, you know, we're just not big enough to deal with some of those guys like Charlie Kolar. Um, by the way, shout out to Charlie at a big game, four catches, 66 yards, Norman North grad, um, and drew three interference or holding penalties. Um, center was basic. It, it was almost like a basketball game, you know, where you're just, you know, LeBron or somebody. You just can't physically deal with it. There's nothing you can do, and that's the way Oklahoma's defense was. They just really just seemed powerless against Charlie Kolar. A couple times when when Iowa State didn't connect trying to hit Kolar, it's because there was a clear double team. They had two guys on him on deep balls. And so it's, it's a case of the Sooners are just overmatched physically. It's and, and and Matt Campbell did a great job scheming it and getting the Cyclones in, in solid position. Yeah, he really did. And uh yeah, it was interesting to hear Pat Field say that. He he basically said when you're uh five ten, five eleven and the other guy's uh, six five, six six, sometimes there's nothing you can do but get a penalty because if you don't, it's gonna be a, a catch uh no matter what. So um it was interesting to hear some of the OU players last night. We heard from three of them, Pat Fields, Creed Humphrey, and Spencer Rattler, especially Creed and and, and uh, Pat Fields, the guys that have been here a while. But um, they, in some instances, especially in Creed's case, said things about confidence in getting this thing turned around, that they could play better, things like that. But uh, – Certainly their body language and things like that uh, weren't necessarily uh, uh, giving off that same message. Well, and you got you to gotta sort of – in some ways you got to have some empathy for these Sooners. You know, they entered this season nine days ago, eight days ago. OU football in the Lincoln and Riley era, including the two, including the two years he was coordinator for Bob Stoops, Sooners were 44 and four against Big 12 foes. And now, in the span of eight days, they've lost twice. So they're not accustomed to this. This is news that it's just a big upset. And they just didn't play very well. That's not the case necessarily last night. I didn't come away from that game thinking the Sooners didn't play that that the Sooners played all that poorly. I came away thinking they just weren't that good. And then if these two teams turn around, you know, if, if, if OU K state turned around and played again, right after K state beat them, 
I thought, you know, Sooners would whack them the next time. Last night, that was not the case. I came away thinking, I don't know if they want to see these guys again because they're hard to deal with. So that's sort of some of the mental some of the mental gymnastics I think this this Oklahoma, particularly the defense, but really the whole team is having to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so, And we'll talk uh, about that. We're going to take a break uh, really quick here and then uh, uh, talk about what the Sooners can do moving forward and, and the road, uh, road ahead for Oklahoma. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast powered by the Oklahoman. Uh, Barry, in, in the end of the first segment, we were talking about just that this team right now isn't very good and didn't look very good, uh, not only last night, but the last couple weeks. And, you know, who knows uh, what was real the first game when they whacked Missouri State. But uh, moving forward, let's talk about Spencer Rattler. Uh, are you still as high on him as uh, we all were a few weeks ago, or is that optimism uh, faded a little bit? Or and or is this just the natural uh, some of the natural issues that come with a redshirt freshman quarterback? I think it's the latter. I'm actually pretty high on Rattler, um, and he's not he's not playing as well as quarterbacks of the last five years have, but there was no reason, no great reason for any rational person to think he would. Yeah. I think he's played pretty good for redshirt freshman, and uh, I thought he was better last night because he really he used his legs more, and he got a little bit wild and the scrambles. And, you know, yeah, they sort of, I mean, it, yeah, there a couple times when he held your breath. That, yeah, he thought he was Fran Tarkenton there for a while, and that's just silly. But um, – but I thought he played all right. His only interception was right at the end of the game when he had to throw, you know, a deep. Uh, he didn't have to, but, I mean, needed to. So um, so he's the least of their problems, I guess, is what I would say. Um, I think I – th- and he's got a lot of room to grow. So I think that's a positive sign, Spencer Rattler, at this point. Um, his accuracy is excellent. Um, he's mobile. His decision-making is okay and probably going to get a lot better. So. Yeah, I think Rattler is the, the lead. The, the biggest problem for this team is is the offensive line and the secondary. Everybody else, you know, you think, oh, they can, you know, they can get some things done with the rest of the people, but they got to get that line fixed and they got to get the safeties, you know, back on track. Yeah. So, what do they do with that, Barry? Is it just, uh, is it time just to? put things in the hands of the, the young secondary guys that we've seen Alex Wrench recruit since he's been at OU and just sort of uh, take your lumps there and, and hope that you can find something in some of those guys and enough of those guys to make a difference? Well, I, I don't see what it could hurt too bad. I would definitely, you know, I don't know. I don't know the level of those safeties, the young guys. I don't know if they're confused. Um, you know what? What's the balance between simplifying the def- playing them and simplifying the defense, and what's the balance with uh, not playing them and potentially getting overmatched? And and like I said earlier, you know, 
Iowa State's a tough matchup. Not everybody has a Charlie Kolar. Uh, so Texas coming up, you know, they, the Horns have a good offensive scheme. I don't know that they've got a guy that you have to fear like a Kolar. So you might, you know, you, you might want guys who are just going to be in the right position this week and figure they can make the plays this week. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them. One thing Texas has always been good at is tailbacks out of the backfield, getting them one-on-one with, with overmatched players. That's something you have to worry about when you play Texas, not the tight end necessarily. So, you know, Alex Grinch is going to have to make that determination. I don't know enough about his young players to know whether which way to go. Yeah, and clearly some of the young players are frustrated that they're they're not getting that chance. I mean, heck, we saw that on Twitter after the game as uh, Bryson Washington tweeted, basically, free me and Josh Eaton up, and, and both of those guys are, are 6'2", um, one a safety, one a cornerback, and uh, there's clearly some frustration growing inside the team, which is what happens when when uh, games go the, the way that the Sooners have gone the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, and you know some of those tweets go up and then come quickly down because either they come to their senses or somebody, somebody. their senses. Um, you know, so I don't know, but. Um, you know, social media allows us to see into their mindset at certain times. Everybody's frustrated. Like I said, if you're a veteran, you don't know what this is like. If you're a newcomer, you didn't come here, you know, you didn't come to OU to lose to Kansas State and Iowa State. So everybody's frustrated. It's, you know, I, I'm, I remember uh, Gary Gibbs 30 years ago. Somebody quizzed him, you know, how frustrating is this loss? And and uh, Gary was Gary was frustrated at the question, and he said every loss is frustrating. I mean, it's and and Lincoln himself last night was interesting. Two or three times, he talked about how uh, sick you know, and uh, he he used the word sick and a couple other sort of emotional type words, just the state of of losing these two games. If you're an OU fan and you're bothered by this, let me promise you, those guys on the sideline and in those huddles and those meeting rooms, they're 10 times more bothered by it than you are. So, I mean, they don't, they don't like it one bit. But, you know, you got you, you to gotta figure out how to change it because, um, you know, the other teams are, are good. The Sooners actually ended up with a pretty tough schedule to start with, um, turns out, you know. So, uh, it, it's going to lighten up a little bit, you know, on the back end. But for now, you know, the Sooners are having to scratch and claw for, for any win they get. Yeah, they are. But, uh, Barry, one bit of good news that the Sooners got before the game is that uh, Ronnie Perkins, who had been suspended before the uh, Peach Bowl for half a season after failing an NCAA drug test, uh, according to people I've talked to in the, the program, uh, had a special appeal granted that new circumstances in his case allowed him uh, to revisit the appeal that he had made uh, right when the suspension happened. And it looks like Ronnie Perkins is going to be back for Texas, which I think before the game we all thought was a massive deal because 
Oklahoma's pass rush hadn't been something that was that special early in the season. Last night they finally got a little bit of pass rush, and, and now they get the, their best pass rusher uh, really from last year uh, back for the Texas game in, uh, in Ronnie Perkins. But uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Trajan Bridges both remain suspended uh, for at least probably a couple more games. Yeah, and to me it's fascinating. We're talking about three guys that apparently did, committed the same infraction. How one gets gets uh, a reduction and the other two doesn't, I don't know. That's that's really interesting clarification to me. But it's good news for for Ronnie Perkins to be back. Um, you know, I'm wondering if he can play safety. Um, that's one thing I would spend the off the uh, the week figuring out uh, because he's coming back into what last night was a, period, was a position of strength, pass rush. Um, yeah, and the, the player who replaced him in the starting lineup was the guy who uh, came up with the biggest defensive play of the game. There you go. So uh, I like Isaiah Thomas, but, of course, Ronnie Perkins is an elite player. He'll help him, no doubt about it. Um, but I, I'll be interested in to know exactly why he's getting to play and Stevenson and Bridges are not. So um, – you know, the, the wideouts have been fine. I don't know if they need Trajan Bridges immediately. They could use Ramonde Stevenson, but frankly, Pledger and Pledger and uh, and Seth McGowan have been okay. Have been fine at tailback. The one thing the Sooners really don't have is a big bruiser right on the goal line. I think Stevenson would help there. You know, big play early, first possession. The Sooners get to six yard line and Pledger reels off a five yard run. Second goal at the one, and Lincoln runs it up the middle twice in a row. Once with Jer- Jeremiah Hall playing fullback out of the I formation, and then uh, McGowan. Both times they get stuffed for no gain. And on fourth and one from the one, Lincoln kicks a field goal. And I thought that was a sign of, ooh, this is going to be a tough night. Um, Sooners don't do a lot of field goal kicking from the one-yard line. and. When the Sooners did, I think that really sort of emboldened Iowa State, if they weren't already emboldened. Yeah, I mean, I I think they were already emboldened, especially after uh, their bounce-back performance last week against TCU, which turns out TCU is a pretty good team, as we saw with their their win yesterday against Texas and and also with some of their quarterback issues that they had in that Iowa State game that certainly – uh, uh, hurt their chances there to come out with that victory. But, yeah, I, I, I thought early when Lincoln Riley decided to go for it that or uh, kick the field goal, that that was a sign that, hey, we, we think this thing's going to be tight and we have to hold on to any points that we can get. And maybe we don't trust our defense uh, quite as much as, uh, as we let on. Yeah, although – to me, if you don't trust your defense, that's why you go for it. Um, if you don't trust your defense, you gotta you need to score a bunch of touchdowns. So I, I, I sort of took it as a signing. He was sort of okay with his defense because you know if if you get into a game like last night or like last week, thirty eight, thirty five, you know you, you need to score touchdowns. I don't know what he thought this game was going to be like, but in most Sooner games of the last five, six years, you know, you're not going to win 20 to 17. You know, you're not going to win 23 to 20. You're going to win 
35-31 if it's close. So, uh, so I, but I took that as a sign. And, and if you'll notice, next time, the next two times, as soon as right down inside the five and needed to play, they didn't run the ball at the middle. It, it was Rattler on the rollout twice to the little dump outs to Jeremiah Hall, which were easy touchdowns. So um, Stevenson's a big bruiser, I think, that, can, that could make a bigger difference inside the five-yard line. Yeah, and uh, Barry, the Sooners sitting with two losses here uh, in early October, which is a disappointment in any season, but especially this season where you've only played three games. It's been a long time since Oklahoma lost more than two games in a season. The, the last was, was 2014, which led to the uh, offensive upheaval and Lincoln Riley uh, coming back in. Obviously, they were able to turn that around uh, really quick as, uh, you know, the next year they're, they're in the Orange Bowl and uh, in the playoffs. So, um, you know, we've only seen a, a handful of seasons in the last uh, whatever it is uh, here, 22 since Bob Stoops uh, took over. This is the 22nd season with uh, more than one or two losses. Yes, um, you know the immediate. You know, you when you when you look at um, last week's loss to K State, you think immediately. You think, does this knock OU out of the out of the championship race? Last night, you think, did this knock OU out of the championship race, the Big Twelve championship? Um, that's what they got to worry about now is can they figure out a way to make it to Arlington, finish in the top two of the Big 12. And, you know, it seems possible, if not likely, that they're going to have to win out to do that. A 6-3 and three team could make it to Arlington. Um, it would require a lot of losing, uh, widespread by a lot of different teams. That's possible. The league looks sort of up for grabs unless Oklahoma State is – is an elite team that could run the table. And that's possible the way they're playing defense and getting Spencer Sanders back. But, you know, Iowa, when you look at Iowa State and Kansas State and Oklahoma, look at those three teams. Uh, two of them are 2-0 and and everybody's thrilled. One of them's 0-2 and, and everybody's dismayed. And there's really, you know, when they played, there wasn't a dime's worth of difference. The games could have gone either way. Uh, Texas is 1-1. One and one. Winning a game they had no business winning and losing a game they had no uh, – they won a game they had no business winning. They lost a game they had no business losing. And they're sitting there at one and one. So the league looks more compact than ever before, more, more everybody together. So maybe you'll see a, a Narlington that, that has a, you know, a seven and two first place team and a six and three runner up. But it doesn't seem likely. It seems more likely that you'll end up with an eight and one versus a seven and two. And if that's the case, then the Sooners have to win out. And that's just you know they're used to that in terms of the the college football playoff race. But that's definitely something they that they know that they've, they've lost their room their margin for error just to get to Arlington. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see that in this strange season where eligibility as far as future eligibility is thrown out the window because this season doesn't count as far as that goes. What the motivation is like on this team to uh, keep going. And, and Pat Field sort of talked about that last night in his frustration, said, you know, we do all these things. We 
uh, you know, spent all this time, you know, wearing masks and practice and, and all day going through this pandemic and, and playing football and going to class from, you know, six in the morning until eight at night is what he said. And, uh, feel like we do this for the love of the game. And, and sometimes it feels like the game doesn't love you back. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder how that love of the game holds up as if this season gets any more difficult for the Sooners. Well, it's be a, it'd be a character flaw if you see people bolt or if you see people give up um, the truth. Right, but we've seen that around – Yes, you have seen football it. this year, and you know I know that the pandemic is the reasons that a lot of them say, but uh, there's a lot yeah. of them that clearly uh, there's out other influences that lead them to those decisions. You're right, but I guess my point is this: you know, the Sooners are facing adversity, but if you throw out Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe LSU, Georgia, whoever. This is the kind of thing every team in America goes through every year. Does, does anybody at Iowa State football really want to hear about Oklahoma's adversity, uh, losing a couple of games? I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, the ABC telecast last night threw up a, a good, I think it was the AFLAC question of the night, I think, and uh, trivia. When's the last time Iowa State won a conference title? I guess 1931. I thought it was 1931, but I think I had the Cyclones. I was wrong. I think I had the Cyclones confused with K-State. Iowa State's last conference title was 1912 uh, in the old Missouri Valley. So uh, that was 108 years ago. Nobody from Iowa State's interested in OU's adversity. So, you know, if guys are frustrated and thinking, eh, yeah, is, is this worth it? Um, you know, it's a little bit of a spoiled attitude if that occurs. I'm not saying it will or it has. But if it does, there's nobody shedding a tear for the Sooners this morning being 0-2 in the Big 12 Conference. I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, down the road for the Sooners. A big one for them next week. Uh, 11 a.m. in the Cotton Bowl it, in all of the unusualness of this season. Next week will definitely be the weirdest no state fair going on around. No uh, 100,000 fans in the stands for OU Texas and, and presumably a whole lot less traffic on the drive uh, down and the drive back. Uh, we'll be in the drive and the drive in. I mean, think about that. Think about the crazy way we have to get to a <laughs> here. We'll just, we'll just drive in. We, we just we walk down the middle of the road if we want to. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be weird, but we'll see what that's like next week. We'll see if the Sooners can bounce back. Uh, Barry, we'll be back with a, uh, another podcast midweek uh, to, to talk about the Sooners and, and their outlook here moving forward. But thank you so much for joining us here on the Sooners Extra Podcast. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best. Thank you.